Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. One interesting statistic is that people die from heat early in a heat season. That was Kathy Bachman McLeod, Senior Vice President and Director of the Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Center at the Atlantic Council. She's talking about the dangers of heat. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show, but first, your morning headlines. Today is Tuesday, July 13th. We began with voter rights legislation, which has evolved into perhaps the most partisan battle of the year. Taking place at multiple levels across government, the White House, Congress, the Department of Justice, and at state houses across the country. In Texas, House Democrats are MIA. Over 50 members of the minority party walked out of the Texas legislature and boarded a flight to D.C. on Monday afternoon in an effort to block Republicans' attempt to pass voting restrictions. The Texas House is set to reconvene this morning, but with Democrats absent, there won't be enough members present to make a quorum which is a minimum number of lawmakers needed to continue with the session. Vice President Kamala Harris praised the House Democrats' move. I applaud them standing for the rights of all Americans and all Texans to express their voice through their vote unencumbered. Now to Israel, where on Monday, the country began administering a third dose of the Pfizer vaccine to severely immunocompromised adults. It comes as Pfizer met with top U.S. health officials to discuss receiving federal authorization of a third dose of its vaccine. Meanwhile, in France, President Emmanuel Macron is making the vaccine mandatory for all staff working in French hospitals, elderly care homes and clinics. But in England, Prime Minister Boris Johnson confirmed that almost all coronavirus restrictions will be lifted beginning next Monday. This despite a rise of Delta variant cases nearly 70 percent higher than two weeks ago. Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram were all blocked in Cuba on Monday. This after a weekend of mass protests organized largely on social media, the likes of which really hasn't been seen in decades. Thousands of Cubans flooded the major cities to demonstrate against the country's weakened economy, frequent power outages, and lack of coronavirus vaccines. President Biden weighed in yesterday. And the United States stands firmly with the people of Cuba as they assert their universal rights. And we call on the government, government of Cuba, to refrain from violence and their attempts to silence the voice of the people of Cuba. 
We now turn to the western U.S. where firefighters are working to contain a number of wildfires. Extreme temperatures and unrelenting drought has created dangerous fire conditions, forcing hundreds of Oregon residents to evacuate their homes. But even without the fire, extreme heat on its own has been blamed for hundreds of deaths in the Pacific Northwest already this year. Record-breaking heat has been particularly dangerous for vulnerable urban populations. We look into this in our Daily Deep Dive. Today, we're talking to Kathy Bachman McLeod about how heat and drought are intensifying inequalities and devastating the poor and the marginalized, especially in urban areas. Kathy's a senior vice president and director of the Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Center at the Atlantic Council. So, Kathy, they call this the silent killer. What is it about heat that you think people are just unaware of how damaging it can be? Well, heat is in so many cultures a positive. You hear about heat and people want to go to the beach. It's a warm, sunny day. You think about um, hot yoga and um, the benefits of the sauna. You know, there are lots of positive things about heat. And when we uh, think about the drama of some of the other climate-driven hazards like uh, flooding and hurricanes and fires, heat does not have that drama. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't make for that visual that you think of the the TV weather person, you know, in the rain slicker with their hair blowing sideways in this really dramatic storm, and it's got a name, and it's blowing the roof off of everything, and heat is quiet and pernicious. And if you did an aerial photograph of a community that had a massive heat wave that killed a whole bunch of people on one day, and then you did the same aerial photograph the next day, it looks just the same. And so it, it suffers from not being dramatic and visual. What do you think most people don't know about heat? I think that people don't know how dangerous it is and how it can kill you. And as I said, it's killing more people than other climate-driven hazards. And one interesting statistic is that people die from heat early in a heat season. And the hypothesis is because they're not yet accustomed to it and not thinking about it. And so one of the biggest things to be aware of is it can hit you all of a sudden in May. And we're seeing we're seeing really hot temperatures in May now, in June and in July. And so it's hotter than ever earlier. And so you'll see more excess death from heat in the early months of a heat season than in the latter when people get used to it. And yet your center decided to do something fascinating. You guys said, what if we treated heat waves the same way we treated tropical storms and hurricanes? Name them let people know it's coming. How did this idea and this concept come about? Well, we weren't the first to come up with the idea. You know, our role is to really implement it. So I'm a part of a group that advises the elected state insurance commissioner um, of California. His name is Commissioner Ricardo Lara. And in this subgroup on heat hazards, um, uh, there was a, a woman who works for LA County and she said, you know, I've seen the UK uh, suggest that they name heat waves because they're having such a challenge with heat. And we were putting together our recommendations for the commissioner in terms of ways to use risk and insurance to address and reduce the impacts of climate in California. And we said, this is a fantastic retail way to bring attention to the dangers of heat, which are immense and not just costly, but they're, we're killing people. It kills more Americans than any other climate-driven hazard, and we don't really know about it. I'm not sure exactly where it originated, but we have picked it up, and 
we're implementing and I'll, I'd love to tell you more about it. So I want to backtrack for a second. In June of this year, Miami decided to finally actually name their first chief heat officer. Tell me a little bit about that. How'd that come about? Well, we've been working with Miami-Dade County in a partnership around resilience is called Resilient 305. And so that's the area code for Miami, as you know, as a Floridian. And it has Miami Beach and uh, the city of Miami and Miami-Dade County in this partnership. And we've been working with them from the start of our center. And when Mayor Daniela Levine Cava got elected, she she says, I got elected to address climate change for South Florida. I mean, this is, I came here to do this. And we knew we had a champion in her. And so we have a longstanding relationship with her. And we've been uh, working together through the Extreme Heat Resilience Alliance, which is a global alliance that we launched in August of 2020 to bring all types of people and sectors together to um, address this problem and to protect people from heat, particularly vulnerable people. And in that discussion with Mayor Levine Cava, she said, you know, I think we need somebody dedicated every day to doing this. And she said, I think I need a chief heat officer. And we agreed 100%. And she has said, I'd like to test heat wave naming and ranking. And we said, let us go out in our network and find other leading mayors who want to do the same thing to put someone on this every single day, working to protect people from heat. And so we have the mayor of Freetown, Sierra Leone, and the mayor of Athens, Greece, and and more are, are right behind them. One of the first moments where I was sort of introduced to you and, and what the organization is doing, you asked me to moderate a panel back in June of 2020, the middle of the pandemic, and it was on climate change, extreme heat. And here are all of these mayors of all these international cities from Athens to Mumbai to Chennai, India, uh, Miami, and and you gathered together, I think it's over 20 mayors across the globe to talk about issues like this uh, affecting their cities. You understood very early on you needed international buy-in. Why was that so important for you? Well, it's an international problem. It just like climate, it has no boundaries. You know, you think about um, all of the things that climate change is making worse, uh, hurricanes, floods, drought, fire, heat is at the top of that list and it's affecting more people and will affect more people than any other hazard. And we're working with McKenzie as they have been seconded to the UN Climate Convention's Race to Resilience, which is in essence the UN effort uh, of, of non-government actors to bring climate adaptation um, solutions focused on this conference of the parties uh, for for climate in Glasgow. And that is an international discussion, but the cities are the place where all of this, these crises come down and they're exacerbated by the way that we've built our cities, by population density, by globalization. And so the city is the place that bears the brunt and the cities are just getting bigger. And as you know, migrants who have to leave places and now we know that the uh, majority of reasons for leaving, being forced out of your home, are now climate driven. And so you have families leaving where they were because they can't stay and they land in cities and they land in places that are unsafe and hot and getting hotter. And so 
as climate is a global challenge and doesn't know boundaries and the cities around the world are bearing the brunt of it, we said we need to put a global coalition together and work together to share solutions. And so many solutions come from the developing world and we're adopting many of them here now. When people talk about the rise of heat waves and, and just temperatures increasing, it's like cities are melting, essentially. How do you explain what's driving the rise in heat? It is pretty simple. It is the heat that's trapped inside the Earth's atmosphere that is driven by carbon and methane emissions, other gases, but generally carbon and methane. And when we burn fuel, we are warming the planet. It is climate for sure, but it's also the way we've built our cities. And we have used surfaces that absorb and then um, emit heat at night. We've built surfaces that make the city and it's called the heat island effect and so you have even hotter temperatures and sometimes i mean even up to you know 10 12 15 degrees hotter because of the infrastructure the way we built it we haven't built buildings for air conditioning in lots of places because you didn't need it and so we have a, a structural problem as well as a climate problem the beauty of these though are that you there are things you can do about that you can retrofit you can change the surfaces you can resurface your roof to be white and almost always the best solution is a nature-based solution. Plant trees, pull up impervious surface, cool your city. You know, the mayor of Paris, um, Anne Hidalgo, is taking out the stone and granite patio just outside the city hall in Paris, and it will be a forest. And so those sorts of things, um, they just take planning, but all the research and all the things we need are there. You know, I think nature is a superhero for addressing climate, uh, but that's part of our solution set in the Extreme Heat Resilience Alliance also is lots of tree cover, lots of green space. You know, somebody might hear that and say, well, Paris taking out their floors, will that really make a difference by just planting some trees and making City Hall greener? Well, it sounds small, but if you do it on a large scale, you can see a difference between like 18 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a massive solution and heat doesn't affect people equally. I mean, heat is disproportionately hurting people in low-income communities and people of color, and that's happening all over the world. And so if you look at a, a map of heat, it's a map of race in the U.S. And so there's a concept called tree equity, and it's being led by a group called American Forests, and they are scoring cities by how well they're doing on having equal tree cover in low-income communities as they do in in wealthy ones. And when you think about people talking about leafy neighborhoods, I mean, they're leafy because they're wealthy and the trees are a reflection of that. And so you can cool a community, clean the air. Um, and these communities also are disproportionately impacted by oh, environmental impacts like air pollution and water pollution. And so trees also clean the water, they clean the air, they reduce asthma, they lower your utility bill, lots of good things. So yes, on a good on a big scale, it can be done. Um, it sounds small, but it's happening in Louisville. It's happening in Sierra Leone. It's happening in Miami. It's happening in Chennai. Yeah. Well, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back with Kathy on the Recount Daily Pod. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, 
the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Kathy Buckman McLeod, Senior Vice President and Director of the Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Center at the Atlantic Council. You mentioned the real financial implications, you know, that, uh, of like just something as simple for an everyday citizen as your air conditioning bill. What are the financial implications of heat and the rise of heat? Well, they are getting just bigger and bigger. And one of the things I mentioned at the top of our conversation is the dearth of data. So we've got to set some systems that let us better track the economic impacts. There is a fantastic economist at uh, UCLA. His name is Ji Sung Park, and he's looked at the impact of learning on students and heat and how students do poorly. You can measure the heat goes up and their performance on tests goes down and there's a direct correlation. You can look at the workers' comp data and the mortality and morbidity of workers who are hot at work, both indoor and outdoor, because a lot of the warehouses where people are loading in all the packages that we're having delivered, they're on air conditioned. And so people, when they're hot, they get tired and they make mistakes and they get hurt and oftentimes kill themselves. And the economics of that, and first the human cost, of course, and the pain of that, and then the economic cost of that to those families and to the economy are um, tremendous. Tell me a little bit more, Kathy, about the impact of heat and race. The neighborhoods where people of color live, it starts with being victims of um, racist housing practices and low investment in community assets like trees, landscaping, parks, green space, etc. And so the pavement is absorbing heat and then putting it out at night. And we know trees can, as I said, you know, up to high teens difference in a shady place compared to um, a place with no trees and lots of concrete. And so with the lack of investment in the community and the lack of trees, you have people also co-located with environmental hazards that are solid waste plants or energy plants that put off air pollution. And so you have people with respiratory issues because of the pollution, and then you have no trees to absorb the pollution, and it's hotter and harder to breathe. And so, and you also have more instances of underlying conditions of diabetes and heart conditions because of the lack of access to healthy food and there are lots of food deserts. And so heat is exacerbating all of it. It's like the uber exacerbator of the things that are already a result of racism in a community. And so we know that there are solutions and investing in urban tree cover and green space and urban gardens and 
those sorts of things can make a real difference to health and to well-being and to mental health too. There's a link between heat and mental health. I'm not sure people realize just the implications all around from mental health to physical health to finance that heat can have. Yes, yes. You know, it's pernicious and quiet. And uh, that's our mission is to change that, make sure that people understand it. What gives you the most hope about getting people aware about the devastating consequences of heat waves? What gives me hope is women in leadership. I am seeing more female leadership than ever before. And two of the three mayors um, who we're working with, Mayor Daniela Levine Cava and Mayor Yvonne Aki Sawyer of Freetown, Sierra Leone, and women all over, not just in climate, but in leadership of communities and multilateral banks and the European Central Bank with Christine Lagarde. And that means change because more women at the table mean um, more collaboration and more solutions. And we have what we need. And seeing these women in leadership positions gives me great hope mm, for the future. Remarkable. Before you go, Kathy, for people listening who want their cities to be involved in dealing with heat and being more aware, what's your advice to them? My advice is to do a personal heat risk assessment. Just think about it. What are the temperatures? What's the heat index? Do you understand what the heat index does to you? Do you have any underlying health conditions? What about your grandparents or your parents? What about when the day gets really hot? Do you understand what it feels like if you start to feel sick? Do you know that that's heat? How much water should you be drinking? And even thinking about your pets, this is a new era of climate and this is the new normal and it will hurt you. And so take a minute to really think about what your personal risk is to heat and protect yourself and your family and your community. And then the second thing is, ask your community leaders to address this. Ask them, what are you doing about the impacts of extreme heat, especially for the, vo- the most vulnerable in our community? Kathy Bachman-McLeod, thank you, Kathy, for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Rena. And now to a look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Joe Biden heads to Philadelphia to deliver a major speech on voting rights. Republicans in several states have passed or are considering passing laws that Democrats say will restrict voters' access. The Department of Justice filed a lawsuit last month against one of those states, Georgia, arguing that its recently passed election law violated federal voting protections for minorities. And speaking of Georgia, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is back on after being canceled last year due to the pandemic. The game was originally slated to take place in the Peach State, but was moved to Colorado by baseball commissioner Rob Manfred, all in protest of that very voter restriction law. The game will include a first for baseball history, as Shohei Otani will be a two-way player, taking the field as both offensive and defensive. The game will have one more twist as well. All the players will be mic'd up for the entire game. Some will even be interviewed live while playing. The virtual 2021 Global Girl Leadership Summit begins today. The UN Foundation initiative brings together aspiring leaders, youth activists, and influential change makers from around the globe to exchange ideas on making the world a more equitable and inclusive place for women. Nobel Prize winner Malala Yousafzai will be among the participants. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. 
This is a Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Kathy Bachman McLeod for being on the show. And if you like this episode, please subscribe to the Recount Daily Pod and leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Dinan. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.